Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The following program is presented by the Nerdy Show Podcast Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by A Comic Shop, Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination, and with the generous support of listeners like you. To learn how you can support this and other fine geek programming, visit nerdyshow.com. Hi, this is Michael Grant, young adult author. Well, not really young myself, but you know, I write for young adults. Gone series, Messenger of Fear, and of course, Berserk. And you're listening to Nerdy Show. Butterfly in the sky with robotic wings and eyes. Stick a look, it's in a Welcome to Nerdy Show Book Club, a series where we read along books with you and also talk about the other books we've been reading. A very literary program here on Nerdy Show, making its debut as a standalone series. Hi, I'm Cap. Hi, I'm Colin. And it has been a long time since we've done a Nerdy Show Book Club. It's not for lack of wanting. Long, long time. It was an accident, really. It yeah. It just kind of happened. A very accidental hiatus. Yeah, and this is uh, Nerdy Show Book Club Light. This is like the highlights version yeah. of Nerdy Show Book Club. This is but a prelude, a prologue to uh, to what's to come, to remind you that Nerdy Show Book Club does exist and uh, that we still actually have a book to read for our next full episode. It's just Colin and I here because uh, we're kind of the regular mouthpieces for book club, and we're also the ones most likely to have read a ton of books. <laughs> You saying the other people don't read? I'm saying they don't necessarily read as much as we do. Ah. <laughs> like, you know, for example, Brandon, who could be considered the other most regular person on Nerdy sure. Show Book Club. Yes. We all know about the special ed course that uh, that Brandon has, what with the government giving us slush funds in order to encourage his reading, which we yes. fail at miserably. If you guys are actually uh, interested in, uh, you know, discovering Brandon's thoughts on some of the various books that we have read, go to nerdyshow.com slash book club. And you'll be able to catch up on all of your Nerdy Show Book Club needs. Yeah, we've got a, a Texas book depository of all <laughs> 10 previous episodes of Nerdy Show Book Club. It was actually originally started back in 2012 as a microsode suggested by Nerdy Show Good listener Joe Barda. Lord, it was that long ago? It was. Wow, I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> I mean, we were doing pretty relatively regularly. It was almost every other month-ish. And then, you know... Yeah, sorry about that, friends. Yeah, the Nerdy Show Book Club is still fighting for life. We're going to do it whenever we can, but we're going to get back on the horse and ride it. Followers of our Patreon might know that we're working towards a current goal of $1,000 monthly, 
from you, our generous and lovable fans, in order to pay for editors and be able to bring back Book Club on a regular schedule, State of the Empire on a regular schedule, Pokeballs of Steelix on a regular schedule, and other stuff. We're trying to bring all these shows back, and we will be doing that probably sooner than later, but guaranteeing that regular schedule, that is the hardest part, because, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, editing is time-consuming. So the purpose of this particular episode, not just to remind you that Book Club exists, but that is a very important point, also to remind you that uh, we do actually have a community read-along book <laughs> that back in like early 2014, in our last episode of Book Club, we said that our next book was going to be The Ocean at the End of the Lane by Neil Gaiman. Yes. You honestly, by now, have no excuse to have not read it because you've had over a year and a half. Well, tell that so. to Brandon. <laughs> if he read like a paragraph a day, I think he would have had it done by now. Sure, he would have. Yeah. But he didn't. Yeah. I'm actually going to have to reread that book. <laughs> Me too. But you know what? No regrets because, spoiler yeah. alert, it's awesome. It's really, it really, a, really good. It's a really fun, it's yeah. short, and it's really, really fun. Crazy, weird, you know, Neil Gaiman romp through yeah. British countrysides with ghosts and otherworldly things. I, I really genuinely loved it. But more on that when we reconvene. We're looking at uh, late September, early October, probably around then. That's the hope. We think we can pull off Nerdy Show Book Club on an every other month schedule to give you a full month and a half or so in order to read the community books along with us. So uh, be ready for it. We'll be communicating on the Nerdy Show forums on the old uh, cobwebbed threads of Nerdy Show Book Club. <laughs> We're dusting them off just and, like an old cherished tome yes, in your library. Yes. And, and also, it should be noted, we're releasing this as a standalone Nerdy Show Book Club episode. So this is Nerdy Show Book Club episode 11, and it's not a part of Nerdy Show and the numbering. We're going to split off State of the Empire and Book Club because they're awesome. They feature hosts of Nerdy Show, but they're also very much their own things. And at least for the time being, when Nerdy Show releases happen on, say, uh, you know, Mondays as expected, maybe it's Nerdy Show, maybe it's one of these other programs. It'll be Nerdy Show produced content, that's for sure. But a more set schedule as the, uh, the summer wears on and we uh, finalize our plans for the next phase of Nerdy Show stuff. I guess another segue before we dive into the books that we've read in the interim, and I've got a stack of like eight books here, um, <laughs> I should mention that we have the Nerdy Show survey going on right now. If you go to nerdyshow.com slash survey, you'll uh, be directed to where you can go to fill in a bunch of blanks and let us know how you listen to Nerdy Show, what you listen to on Nerdy Show, and uh, questions about all the shows on the network and everything else. we got a short survey, which takes about 10 minutes, and a long survey, which takes as long as you want it to, really. The more information you can give us, the better, and it's going to help us together build a bigger, better, badder Nerdy Show. So, uh, enough for me. Colin, what have yeah. you been reading this past year and a half? What? Well, I have been reading all sorts of stuff. The first book is called The Song of Achilles by Madeline Miller. Have you heard anything about this book, Cap? I have heard not a damn thing. This book is essentially a narrative interpretation of Homer's The Iliad. So if you're into Greek mythology involving gods and myths and legends and kings and immortal fame and incest you know that sort of thing well <laughs> limbs being chopped off yes and other well, game of I mean, thrones shit well that's game of thrones cap we'll and and all of, of mythology that's <laughs> true does it have everything is it is it all well, there there's no bestiality in it however you know the centaur is in it uh, you know, so the, it depends the, on how you equate love with a half animal man. Yes. Well, it well, actually, Cap, what's really interesting about this book 
is it follows obviously Achilles, but it also uh, deals with his best friend. And some people call him Patrickles. Uh, I call him Patrickles because that's just what I'm going to call him. Uh, and uh, <laughs> yeah, Patrickles sounds great. Patrickles sounds ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, Patrickles. Patrickles. Testicles. Um, the testicles, his buddy, his buddy testicles. It's actually the story of their relationship and discovering that they are in love with each other and having a relationship, which actually really is quite interesting and very different from what I had originally thought of with Achilles. Like you, you think of Achilles as this really strong warrior who just happened to have this, you know, weak point on his body. But there's some really interesting pathos and backstory and digging deep into this narrative that Homer laid out in the Iliad and reinterpreting it and reshaping it into this really sweet story that has some really horrible things that happen in it because it's still <laughs> the Iliad, you know? Right. And if you're interested in Greek mythology, I would highly recommend it. It's a little heavy on the romance more than I was particularly interested in, but the idea of it was really cool to read. And um, Miller did a really nice job of really fleshing out these characters who are just Greek mythology as a rule typically has no character development. So it was really fun and really interesting to get these characters developed for you in a really interesting way that you had never thought of before. So I would recommend The Song of Achilles. I don't know if it gets the Aunt Nancy seal of approval. Um, <laughs> but, but Well, there's lots of bromance in it, so I think Aunt Nancy's going to have a good time with it. She would definitely have a good time with it. I, I liked it, though. I liked it, though. All right, Cap, what's your first book on the, on the docket? Uh, we, we should mention that any of these books are available via the links on this episode's page. And if you buy it through our Amazon links, then you do give back to Nerdy Show. <sighs> but as for what's on the docket, let's see. First, let's talk a little bit about our last episode, Go Berserk with Michael Grant, where we talked to Michael Grant, one of the two folks, along with Catherine Applegate, who wrote Animorphs. That was a great interview, I yeah. have to say. You know, the Nerdy Show Book Club interviews have always been really interesting because the Casper Kelly interview, that was super fun. The Nerdy Show Book Club interviews, I dig. Yeah, we, we got to we gotta get back to those author interviews. So we talked to Michael Grant, and in addition to you know co-authoring Animorphs, more recently, he was working on a series called Berserk, spelled B-Z-R-K. And uh, at the time, I believe I'd only read the first book. As of now, the entire trilogy of Berserk is out. I haven't read the final book, Berserk Apocalypse, yet, but I have read Berserk Reloaded, which I can in short say is fucking amazing. And though these books are unofficially branded as young authors, they are not. They do feature young characters, but these are fully mature books with dire consequences. And if you want a thrilling sci-fi story with nanomachines, the likes of which you've never conceived before, it's thoroughly unique, fast-paced, totally gripping, and I cannot wait to finally crack that uh, final part of it. So definitely check out the Berserk series. When Michael Grant was talking to us, basically when any book that is written for the young adult genre, they pitch books as a trilogy. They're not yes. pitched as single books anymore. So Weird. when you read the first Berserk book, did it feel like it was finished? Or you know, are they insular in that you would enjoy just the one? Or just do you need to have all of them to enjoy the full scope? You don't need to have all of them, but as soon as you read one, you're going to want to read the next one, and you're going to want to read the next one. Like It's a story that most likely was conceived to be too big to fit in one book, and they all mm -hmm. end at great breaks for, say, like if they were cinema, but it's just a, a thoroughly compelling package. Them being broken into separate pieces doesn't feel weird at all, but it's a big story. It's a big story with massive consequences, and it starts small and just gets bigger. 
Nice. The, the last one's called Apocalypse, so I can only imagine that things really get out of hand. <laughs> and another interview that we had in the interim was with Greg Weissman, creator of Gargoyles, co-creator of Young Justice, and we were specifically in this past interview on Nerdy Show talking about his series Reign of the Ghosts, which is a book series, and how he recently successfully kickstarted it as a radio play. Awesome. And it is a likewise young adult series. And currently there's only two books out and it's actually undetermined whether or not there will be a third. It's meant to be a 12 book series actually. But uh, sales are dubious, which is a crime. So I know I put the call up before, but uh, folks, you should buy Rain of the Ghosts and its follow-up Spirits of Action Foam. I haven't actually had the chance to do a formal review of either of these, so I, I would really relish the opportunity to do it now. What I can say in short is that the first book, Rain of the Ghosts, it has a very unique setting in that it takes place in a fictional chain of islands kind of in the Bahamas. So it fuses a lot of islander tourist culture with uh, native people Taino culture and has this ghost mystery vibe to it. However, the first book does kind of suffer from being in a young adult mindset, like the main character is in school, and she's about to go back to school after summer, and I'm like, well, even as an adult, I don't want to read about that. (laughs) School's the worst. Come on, guys. I don't want to deal with that shit. So it had some cool stuff going on, but it was a little bit difficult for me to maintain my interest. If it wasn't Greg Weissman, I would have let it go. Also, it seems like maybe, just maybe, because he's been working on this for years, the transition from script work to full-on narrative prose had a little bit of difficulty because the narrative perspectives switch around sometimes where I'm like, well, this scene deviates far, far beyond the main character would make complete sense if it was presented visually. But as I'm reading it, it seems kind of out of place. All that said, I'm saying, read this book still. Those are some issues. But then you get to the second book, Spirits of Ash and Foam, and it's amazing. Any of the hang-ups that I had with the first book are completely gone. It's full speed ahead, and all the sparks of originality that it had in the first book are on fire. Nice. Man, Weissman, he just has bad luck. Like, he creates these awesome universes with such really interesting and unique worlds, and then people get into it afterwards. Right. Well, I'm hoping that won't be the case with this. The Kickstarter was successful, which is great, and it is star-studded. So if the appearance of like all those people from all the shows he's been on, including cast members of Star Trek The Next Generation, if that's not enough to drive up buzz once it comes out, I don't know what is. I know I need this third book badly. That's what I know, and I, I'm really glad that the Kickstarter was successful. Spirits of Ash and Foam, the first one kind of features one paranormal problem, and this one features two paranormal problems that are, much to my surprise, intertwined. And you'll see a representation of a vampire and a mermaid, the likes of which you have never, ever, ever, ever seen before in any fiction, which is saying something because those two mythological tropes are tired. I hear vampire and that kind of turns me off a little bit. Okay. What makes this vampire so cool? Well, when it appears in the story, and I'm hesitant here because I don't want to spoil anything, but clearly I've used the word vampire. I need to give you a hook. It's a swarm of mosquitoes. Does it like take physical, like do they all come together and have a physical form? Only kind of. It's truly a monster. Oh, wow. Okay. I, I can get behind that. So, oh, okay. So like this, this is like thinking of these mythological creatures or like how manatees were misconstrued as mermaids. You, you might know, be onto the something day. there, Colin. There's this element of the natural being these mythological things. Yeah, very much so. And it's all tied into actual Taino culture from the indigenous peoples that, you know, Europeans came and killed with uh, disease and, well, yeah. straight up murder. Um, all right. 
Awesome. I can, uh, you know what? That actually sells me on that because that's something that I'm really interested in. You have effectively sold me, sir. I mean, I hate to ever say about any series, you know, just get past the first season and it's okay. And the first book, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just very much a young adult book. But then you get to the second book and any baggage it has is gone. Most young adult books, the first book is not fantastic. I love Harry Potter. I mean, and I'm sure people are going to be upset, but the first book is not that great. I've kind of heard that as a a universal statement from any adult. Like I read that book and I was like, okay i mean like i started reading it and i was like "Mm, no not for me and then like everybody else was like oh my god these books it was way beyond when i got into harry potter you know you just have to get past the first book (laughs) although the first book has some interesting world building elements that are very very cool and then the second book is an absolute abysmal thing but then after that for me i'm I'm okay (laughs) like i i hate with a burning passion that second book but the movie was um, shit too Oh my God, of course Phoenix Tears can heal wounds. Fuck you. All right. <laughs> that, 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 yeah, that, that is my, uh, yeah, that's my, just my little Harry Potter segue. Yeah, well, Reign of the Ghosts and Spirits of Ash and Foam, especially Spirits of Ash and Foam, like, wow, so good. Spirits of Ash and Foam is everything you love about Greg Weissman on Overdrive in a completely different setting from anything else of his. So cannot recommend it enough. I guess I'll pass the talking stick back to you, Colin. (laughs) Ye old talking stick. All right, I've got a couple more. And the other two that I've got, I'm going to have a light one in between them because the one of them is about the Holocaust. and Always a good time. Always always a laugh. Always a good time. And then the other one is about a Nigerian refugee dealing with rape and death and murder. That was fun. So I'll talk about that one. That one's called uh, Little Bee by Chris Cleave. This was recommended to me by my wife, Alicia. Who, who actually we've, we've never mentioned, but she is the voice of uh, Princess Jalapeno Porker on Dungeons yes. and Doritos. Yes. That's why she just particularly sneers at Barty, which right. is, it works out well. Because well, I really wanted to cast somebody who, uh, <laughs> who had a relationship with you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Little B is about this uh, Nigerian refugee who was in an immigration detention center in Britain. And the conditions there are horrible. And she ends up getting out. And by getting out, she contacts this family that lives in Britain. And I can't really give a ton of information about this book because so much of it is really important to the storytelling. And the storytelling is so interesting because it's told from the perspective of Little B and this other woman named Sarah. Sarah is an editor for a magazine who has a writer as a husband and I believe a four-year-old, his name's Charlie. And Little B and Sarah could not be any more different than each other. And yet the perspective bounces back and forth between the two of them and the writing changes when it switches to those um, different perspectives in such an interesting way that the imagery and the way that things are described are from the different viewpoints in such a distinct manner that it is truly an amazing book to read. Little B's perspective on just the color of there's a woman that's hanging from like hung herself in a farmhouse and the way that he describes her dress and the color of her dress and the urine that is like leaking down her body and stuff like that yeah it's i mean it, it yeah, it's a it's a book y'all it's uh, i mean it's, it's we should put that we should get that on the cover of it actually it's it's a book y'all <laughs> colin peterson nerdy show book club <laughs> 
it's uh yeah i mean it's it's yeah it's got some stuff in there so i mean if you're squeamish like this is not the book for you i mean it deals with rape and like horrible shit that like goes down in nigeria i mean it's it's bad but basically little b gets out of this detention center and contacts the husband of sarah and he kills himself after just receiving contact from little b hearing that she is in britain and that's pretty much at the beginning of the book and i'm not going to really give away much after that and to why he killed himself and like all that kind of stuff but it's a really interesting really well-paced exciting exceptionally well-written book it was really hard to read at times but i'm really really glad that i read it because it was one of those books that makes you change the way that you think about things one of the specific things that they speak about in that book, uh, and not in a way that beats you over the head with it. They talk about in Nigeria about gasoline, oil and oil production and petrol. And they describe how it's a horrible situation that a lot of people are in over there. Most mm -hmm. people are in over there. And the way that it was described is that like putting gasoline into your car, you're actually putting blood into your car. And mm. It made me think about that in a way that I just never thought about. Because, you know, you just, you know, you roll up and you put gas in your car and you don't think about where it comes from. And specifically as Americans, we have a tendency to do that with most everything. Um, but uh, <laughs> it was a really eye-opening and really interesting book. And I, that one, uh, I definitely recommend. Of all the books that I have read, <laughs> this one and the one about the Holocaust, uh, <laughs> I highly recommend Little B by Chris Cleave. It's on the rain stick, you know, with the, you know, the, the cactus, the dried cactus thing. That's right. our talking stick. I'll pass it back to you. Oh, man. If only I had a sound effect for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, not surprisingly, during the last year and a half, I also devoted some time to uh, one of my preoccupations, which is reading every single thing John D. McDonald has ever written. <laughs> You've almost caught up to me, though, Colin. You're, uh, you're, you're fast on my heels because I've been self-conscious about this. Well, you know, for recording Nerdy Show Book Club, I don't want every single time I'm on to be like, well, I read this Travis McGee book and then I read this Travis McGee book. Oh. And for those unfamiliar, Johnny McDonald is the author of the Travis McGee series, which is one of the best loved by readers, critics and authors alike. Hard boiled, not exactly mystery, but hard boiled crime novel series between like the 1960s and then the early 1980s. Really prolific author, and if uh, if our cards get played right, uh, the first book, Deep Blue Goodbye, is going to get turned into a movie sometime in the next couple of years, but that's been back oh. and forth for a while now. God, that'd be so good. It's just perfect for a movie. Deep Blue Goodbye is just such a fantastic book that's in and of itself an amazingly told story with such real characters. Yeah, I love that book so much. I'm also happy to say that uh, all the Travis McGee books have been given new dressings and are available digitally now. So oh, wow. before, for the last like 15 years or more, maybe even 20 years, they had these awful, awful paperback dressings that looked like they were geared for old ladies, even though what was inside is savage and horrible. <laughs> yeah. So they look really sexy now, finally, for the first time in a very long time. The one unfortunate thing is that they've also been given new audiobooks, and they are terrible. I don't, oh, really? Yeah. Audiobooks are, like, good now. Yeah, they screwed up. I don't know why this happened, but the audiobooks from the 1990s were read by Darren McGavin, one of the great actors of the 20th century, Kolchek the Night Stalker, character who inspired the X-Files, who was himself in several X-Files episodes. Incredible, incredible actor, incredible voice actor. You should look up Darren McGavin and find out all the things that you know him from, because I'm betting it's quite a few. 
So he did these amazing, amazing audiobooks that are only available on cassette. Ugh. And I have some of them, and they're worth it. But the other problem with them is that they only ever release them as abridged. Oh, that sucks. And, and you can tell they recorded all of it because there's some really awkward cuts in them. So instead of taking this stuff read immaculately, it's the best reading of an audiobook I've ever heard. They released it with this guy who has absolutely like no charisma whatsoever. So that's the unfortunate thing. But if you want to read the text, awesome. Aces, we got the hookup for you. <laughs> There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Follow links on this episode's page. I read two John D. McDonald things. Uh, one is an oversized collection called The Good Old Stuff. John D. McDonald, before he really got his in as a novelist, had already written hundreds of stories in pulp magazines. A ludicrous amount. He was super prolific. And so this is a collection produced, uh, I think, like in the late 70s or so of short stories, mostly from the 1950s, from such pulp rags as Detective Tales, New Detective, Mystery Stories, Doc Savage, Mystery Book Magazine, <laughs> stuff like that. And uh, what's neat about these is that while they're not all winners, none of them are bad, but they're not all like awesome, there's actually some prototypes for Travis McGee scattered through these pages. Oh, cool. And uh, when I was at Moogfest in Asheville in 2014, I was in a used bookstore and I found, <laughs> I found a follow-up collection called More Good Old Stuff. <laughs> I haven't read it yet. Also, I should mention that, uh, that Moogfest is confirmed for 2016 and it's moving from Asheville to Durham, which is huh. also cool. Uh, I've been there for North Carolina Comic Con and I'm likely to be there again for North Carolina Comic Con. Just don't stop, man. It doesn't stop, but that's a really chill, fun convention. So I got no regrets. I I hate to use this analogy for you, man, but you're like Miley Cyrus. You, you can't stop and you won't stop. <laughs> well, I could do a lot worse than being like Miley Cyrus. <laughs> I suppose that's true. If I get to be the Miley Cyrus of like nerd journalists, <laughs> I'm doing okay. You just got to twerk in front of like, you know, Neil Gaiman or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I should give a special shout out to a story called They Let Me Live which is uh, an earlier one, 1947, actually, published in Doc Savage, which is a really cool story about a uh, veteran coming back from World War II convinced that a friend of his was dishonorably discharged for something he didn't do and was somehow scammed. And it leads him trekking all over America to get answers, like to the guy's widow and everything, and then finally over to um, the Orient, where uh, he finds a very sinister scheme and manages to... Uh, incriminate some people oh. it's one of the longer stories in here it's practically a novella cool and uh i was i was in chicago last october and i actually found some of these books like some of these old 
pulp magazines with Johnny McDonald stories in them. Nice. There's a place I should give a shout out to called the Gallery Bookstore on Belmont, and it is rife with awesome old pulp stuff, like really incredible retro stuff, stuff I'm afraid to read physically, Mm -hmm. but it's really cool. And then the other book I read was uh, the the next Travis Meade book I had to read, Bright Orange for the Shroud, which is a particularly great one. Bright Orange for the Shroud is interesting because the villain from Deep Blue Goodbye was a, a very cold, calculating, evil man. And this one, in a lot of ways, features his antithesis, which is a brute, a savage, dim-witted mongrel that's just as frightening, but from a different perspective. Wow. Personally, I feel what's really interesting, what was really fun about Deep Blue Goodbye was that Junior Allen was such a fantastic villain. Right. That was just terrifying. And then, so you're saying that the villain in this one is just more animalistic? Yeah. I mean, Junior Allen was, was a smart guy. Yeah. A manipulator. And this yeah. guy, he's a charmer. Oh. And, but he's also like a thug. Okay. And, and he's just one of the guys that, uh, that Travis is hunting down because basically a friend of his comes back to him looking completely emaciated, completely screwed up because he got married and this wife of his took everything from him and got involved in this kind of like what appeared to be a real estate scam, but it got really, really deep and it was extremely problematic. It was some kind of like grifter crime organization that chewed him up and spit him out and then... Uh, it's up to Travis McGee to try to attempt to systematically take down the people involved, but in his quest to get more information, involves some people who uh, maybe should have kept to the sidelines, and things get very, very dangerous. Oh, wow. And it also features the return of Chook from Deep Blue Goodbye. Cool. She, yeah, she becomes a, uh, a major supporting character. Interesting. Yeah, people just are popping back up. It's kind of like James Bond in that you have your supporting cast but you can take them as individual books. Right. It's very, very cool. Yeah, you don't need to know who Felix Leiter is, but he may pop in and out. If you read it in sequence, you'll understand the relationship better. Yeah. And I'm going to call it there for me. I've got a few more things on the sidelines, but I think I'll save those for the next session. Cool. I'll just mention that I read Color of Magic, Terry Pratchett's yeah. first Discworld book. I really enjoyed it. It was hilarious. If you like Douglas Adams, if you like Neil Gaiman, if you're interested in that kind of funny, parody, fantastical worlds that have really interesting, just really off-the-wall characters, Color Magic and Discworld books are just for you. So I'm digging that, and I'm going to continue reading the Rincewind books, and then I'll circle around to Mort, which is the books about death which is hilarious, the fact that death is a character. And speaking of death as a character, that brings me over to the book that I read by Marcus Suzak, which is called The Book Thief, which is a young adult book, and the main narrator is death. Interesting. And it's set in World War II in Germany. Is this um, the Holocaust book? Yeah. <laughs> it's not specifically about the Holocaust. I was misleading, but it does have elements of that in it. It's very clear what is happening in it. And there's a really interesting description because it's coming from the perspective of death and the way that death describes his work carrying the people that have died in the gas chambers and then also in the war itself. It's just a very interesting book. But it mainly follows The Book Thief, which is a title given to a little girl named Liesel, who is fostered by this uh, older couple. And it's all about her relationship and experience and how she interacts with these different people and, and the power of books and what reading is about and what reading is like and how reading can take someone away from where they are and the situation that they're in. 
It's about stories and the importance of stories. And one of the scenes that I remember very specifically was that during the bombings in Germany by the Allied forces, she started reading uh, from the book as like the entire community was in this one person's basement. And everyone who was originally terrified and full of fear started to, you know, calm down and just listen to this little girl read from this book. And it's a really fantastic, really well-written book. Marcus Zuzek is very, very good at time. He tends to do things where he tells you about something that's going to happen later in the book and then says something to the effect of, oh, but we haven't gotten there yet. But not as trite as that. He does it really skillfully and in a way that makes things and the lead up to that thing have more impact in a really interesting and uh, kind of palpable way. It's a very palpable world that he's created. It's a very beautiful book, and I, I really recommend The Book Thief. And the last thing that I'm, I'm reading right now, so I can't really talk about it as much, is I'm reading The Martian. Oh. Have you heard of this book, Cap? Oh, I've heard about it because Jessica posted a scathing review on Nerdy Show. Really? Interesting. Yeah, she I'm reading hates the Martian. it. Interesting, by Andy Weir. And I find it really funny. It's basically about this guy named Mark Watney who has gotten stuck on Mars. He's a botanist, and it's him figuring out how to survive on Mars. He is one of the first teams to land and be on Mars. And his situation and trying to communicate with Earth and trying to survive, and and it's all told through talking to his log. And then later it pulls out into different scenes, but mostly it's told through his logs, which are really fun and really interesting. I mean, like the first line of the book is essentially like, well, I'm fucked. (laughs) Yeah. It's just kind of like funny, tongue-in-cheek, nerdy book and the twists and turns that happen in it continue to be interesting and the pacing to continue i am finding enjoyable it's not my favorite book in the world and it's also what's interesting is that it was written and self-published in 2011 and then it was picked up by crown publishing in 2014 so it has been out there for a long time and it just blew up on the internet and now it's getting made into a movie with like every single person in hollywood is in this movie most importantly it's directed by ridley scott yeah And God, I hope that we get a a Ridley Scott movie that's good again. I really want him to make something that's just good again. Well, yeah, I I do too. It's written by Drew Goddard, which bodes well because Goddard is a writer for Buffy and Angel and co-wrote and directed Cabin in the Woods. Nice. I'm done with that. it's not Damon Lindelof. Aces. Thank fucking God. If I see on there that he like came in there at some point like to do more treatments, I swear to God. <laughs> and the last thing I will say is that I'm reading Charlotte's Web out loud currently to my wife's belly. To instill a, a fear of, of spiders in your spawn. <laughs> yes, because she is pregnant. And, you know, that someday it's, an it's... eight legged whore may descend and tell you lies. <laughs> Salutations. <laughs> a, uh, a formal congratulations to thank the two you. of you yeah thank you very Do- much. documented on this very show yes indeed <laughs> yes it worked my boys can swim <laughs> just squeaked in there yeah january man january things are gonna change life will be over yeah <laughs> <laughs> our fingers are crossed for the continued release of certain nerdy show programming <laughs> We'll be able to work it out. I know that for a fact. But yeah, nope, it'll be fun. It'll be fun. I'm excited for the journey. So yeah, that's that's what's going on with me, man. Those are the books. Those are the books. Let them be the books. I, man, I've got I've got so much more I want to talk about, but I'm gonna I, not too many, and I'm gonna bottle them up for next time. 
Um, it's so hard. It's so hard to keep it in there, man. I know. It's so hard because uh, I had to sift through the books that I read just to find the ones I kind of want to talk about. Yeah. Ugh, it's uh, hard. Yeah. You know, it, w- it would be a crime if we did a Nerdy Show book club without at least some kind of a reading. Uh, you're right. And when you're right, you're right. And you, you're always right. I'm right. So we're going to read a brief excerpt from the classic Are You Slime novella, Goof Lumps, Lumps. book number four and a half. Nice. Uh, e- eat cheese and barf. Nice. Warning, not a Goosebumps book. An unauthorized parody. They made four? How many of these things did they make? They made two. There's two and a half, stay out of the bathroom, and four and a half, eat cheese and barf. We have previously read this, haven't we? we not we, this book, but we've re- read from a book, yes? No, we, we read from an, another unauthorized parody, Vegemorphs. Oh, Vegemorphs. Jesus, that's right. Now, Vegemorphs I didn't know about as a kid, but Gooflumps I saw on the shelf and... Uh, decided to not read but now as an adult for some reason i'm subjecting myself to this (laughs) here's a note on the author meet are you slime are you slime was raised by alligators in the new york city sewer system and has written on bathroom walls all over the world but he's never written a book before in his life now that he's finished stay out of the bathroom and eat cheese and barf he's ready to get back to watching soap operas vacuuming and taking out the trash are his favorite sports rupert lives under new york city with his wife oglina and their two-year-old turtle nancy so I guess Oglina. it's Rupert Slime. Oglina? U-G-O-L-I-N-A. Uglina. Uglina? Or Uglina. But probably Uglina, because that's sort of succinct with the... Uh... You know what? I'm moving that to the top of my list of baby names for a girl. <laughs> Uglina. Because then, you know, then we don't have to, like, kids don't have to be creative to make fun of them. They just call them by their name, you know? Just get it over with. Might as well. It's like a boy named Sue. Yeah, there you go. You got to challenge them. Yeah, Uglina. They want to change their name. They got to grow up, become an adult, get a job, and pony up the cash and change it. Exactly. That's right. You know, become your own person. The American way. That's right. Your own bootstrap. Self-reliance. <laughs> I thought you said boobstrap. <laughs> boobstraps. Um, so we're, we're Pick gonna... yourself up by your boobstraps. <laughs> we're going to read from the entirety of chapter one, which is very short. And Colin, let's have you be both the parents because you're going to need all the practice you can get. Oh, perfect. <laughs> okay. All right. <clears throat> and and I'll do the um, narrative in-betweens. Excellent. All right. And you'll be Jennifer and Billy? Jennifer and Billy, yeah. yeah so you're my spawn? Yes. Okay, awesome. <laughs> Drink your milk, Billy. It's good for you. My mom said, smiling. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. Drink my milk? But mom, you know what happens if I drink milk? Don't argue with your mother, Billy. Drink. Oh, this is father. <laughs> Don't argue with your mother, Billy. Drink your milk. Uh, dad, who's apparently a computer, said. <laughs> he looked over his bifocals and winked at me. But I'll barf, I said, holding my nose and sucking in my breath. I have some kind of weird enzyme in my stomach. It's pretty rare, you guys. All I need to do is get a whiff of milk and chunk city. Gross, Mom. Billy said barf at the table. Jennifer made a face at me. I didn't know what was worse, looking at the milk or at my sister's zits. Jesus. I heard him, dear. Thank you, but you don't have to say it again. Now, Billy, I want you to have a big glass of milk. It's good for you, sweetheart. But, Mom, drink drink it. it. My parents both said at the same time. I reached out for the milk carton. My hand trembled. I drew the carton toward me across the table. My stomach was already doing flip-flops. Jennifer started laughing. 
She has the dumbest laugh in the world. <laughs> Drink your milk belly. Drink it all up. Jennifer sang, scrunching up her nose. She looked even uglier than usual, believe it or not. <laughs> Shut up, pizza face. I said finally. When I call her that, she goes crazy. She starts screaming, then runs to her room, but this time, she just kept staring at me and cackling. You almost went to Jamala at that point. <laughs> I started sweating. No, that's, that's, that's highly inappropriate. <laughs> that's not good. I will not tarnish my Jamala character. If I was reading Sorted Erotica, she'd be right here, but I mean, this is just... <laughs> this is, it's, just not the, it's just not right. It's just not the right platform. I started sweating as I reached for the glass, as if my hand had a life of its own. Sweat trickled down under my REM t-shirt. It's <laughs> oddly specific. Well, what's funny about that is that's actually copying the writing style of Arl Stein. He used to, like, yep. name drop shit all the time. Yep, yep. You're not getting up from this table until you drink this glass empty, young man. My dad said in his monotone robot voice... Because his lungs got shot out in Vietnam. <laughs> I wish the Viet Cong had killed you, Dad. <laughs> then I wouldn't have even been born. <laughs> I couldn't believe they were going to make me do it. My mom made drink up motions with her hand. The glass touched my lips. <laughs> I could smell it now. A horrible, sickly <gasps> sweet smell. My stomach churned. I tilted up the glass. I begged them with my eyes, don't make me do this. My glasses fogged up. I poured the milk down my throat and swallowed every last drop. I shut my eyes tight and waited. Nothing. Then I felt it. The revenge of the enzyme. I barfed. I barfed all over the table. Meatloaf, I think. I spewed all over my sister until she was dripping with junk. Jesus. I couldn't control it. I barfed on my dad and ruined the paper he was reading. Oh, no, no. Oh. Then the biggest barf of all started coming. Coming. I turned towards my mom. Not my mom. I could feel the slimy stuff coming up my throat. I tried to fight it, but there was no use. My mom screamed. No, Billy, no, Billy, Billy. And that, my friends, is the first chapter of Eat Cheese and Parf. <laughs> it only gets worse. And it by might. worse, I mean actually not good. What a stellar piece of art we just read. True literature. Right True up there with Chaucer. Yep. <laughs> I think. Yep. Right up there with Chaucer. Um, so we, we might revisit this. Uh, we definitely might uh, say hi to its uh, sister book. I can't tell if it's the pretty one or not. Uh, stay out of the bathroom. God. But uh, Yes, if you have not heard any Nerdy Show book clubs, you can look forward to uh, hearing other dramatic reads from uh, other books. One of the things that we did a lot of was movie adaptation books <laughs> well, actually we do like a, a serious dramatic reading from the book that we read usually and then yeah. we do usually and then we would do a comedic one from you know something like this <laughs> yeah so look, so look forward, forward to look that. forward to that <laughs>
Nerdy Show Book Club will be back sooner than later, and uh, you should prepare thyself by reading The Ocean at the End of the Lane by Neil Gaiman. Links on this episode's page. October. Hop on the forums, and we'll relink back to the original Ocean at the End of the Lane post on the forums. And if you haven't read it yet, or if you've already read it, maybe you can read back at your comments so you you can remember what the hell we read a year and a half ago. And remember, all the links on this episode's page that go to Amazon are part of our Amazon affiliate links. If you purchase anything using those links, no matter what, we will get some of that money. That sweet, sweet money. No extra cost to you. You support Nerdy Show. And also, another reminder, go to nerdyshow.com slash survey, and please, please, please take the network survey, fill in all the blanks, and let us know how we can improve the Nerdy Show network. If you dug this recording, definitely go to nerdyshow.com slash book club, check out our previous episodes, and uh, share it with a friend. Pass the word along. Let's get this book club to grow. And hop on Patreon. That's how you can make that happen. Yeah. Uh, if you want to make sure Nerdy Show Book Club is as regular as a fine gooflump stool, then, um, then the best way to do that is to help us fund hiring full-time editors so we can make sure that all these shows are regular. Now, taking us out, because we've read this gooflumps here... I want to play something by the Cuckoo Kangaroo from their recent EP, Gross. <laughs> Unfortunately, somehow, they didn't have a song about barf. Uh, what? Yeah, they got everybody poops, pick it and flick it, hocking a loogie, popping that zit, and who farted? Nothing about barfing. Really weird. I think that I think that's a... They, they really missed out on yeah, that. Yeah, short-sighted. <laughs> so I'm going to play popping that zit. In honor of Jennifer. Yeah, in honor, Pizza Face. In honor of Pizza Face Jennifer. Please forgive me. It is actually really gross. <laughs> but, you know, it's also uh, slightly appropriate, at least. So <laughs> thank you so much for listening. Bye. I'm Cap. Bye. I'm Colin. See you next time.
my forehead, three on my nose. Getting real mad, gonna treat them like foes. And when I strike a pose, what do you see the most? All these tiny zits lined up in rows. Poppin' that zit, poppin' poppin' that zit. Thanks for listening to Nerdy Show. If you like what you heard, please rate and review us on iTunes or like and follow us on SoundCloud. As listener-supported entertainment, we rely on you to keep this and other shows on the Nerdy Show Network alive by telling a friend or funding the network via Patreon. Any contribution gets you exclusive outtakes, episodes, and images from across the network. And there's even more perks available. Just head to patreon.com slash nerdyshow. To find out how you or your company can underwrite this or other Nerdy Show programming, visit nerdyshow.com slash sponsorships. You can also subscribe to us via iTunes and SoundCloud. Leave a comment, like and share, and follow Nerdy Show on all of your favorite social networks. For more podcasts, articles, community forums, and other awesomeness, visit nerdyshow.com. If it's geeky, we've got it covered. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.